Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's the Keith Walsh Podcast. It's essential like your breakfast It will get you up and going Learn some things you didn't know Yeah, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast It's the Keith Walsh Podcast Give you energy like buck fast And if your head's in a pickle Or you're looking for a giggle It's the Keith Walsh Podcast Yeah Good evening and happy Thursday It is Thursday evening It is the 10th 10th of December, we are 15 days away from Christmas Day as I record this and it is a dirty day today, Jesus was wet, but I left the house today and did some work, I drove to Dublin to do work and did a day's work and wow. It was interesting. I uh, I was joking to my wife, Suzanne, my wife. Um, I was saying, oh, today is my Monday and my Friday. Because generally a lot of my work now is just in the gaff upstairs at the computer here doing things, uh, writing or recording. And uh, yeah, I had to go and do a job. I was uh, doing MC for a virtual Christmas party, which was interesting. And uh, it was to people in Spain and Mexico and Lebanon and all over the world. Uh, Ireland, some people were. And they all worked for a certain company, but they're all all over the world. And some people had kind of, uh, it's an international company, some people had flown home and were just living at home with their parents. Um, So it could be someone from the Dublin office who had gone back to live in France. And uh, it was interesting because it was, I suppose, totally different, you know, new concept to a Christmas party. And as MC, your job is just to kind of, you know, tell people what's going to happen, keep it all going, link it all together, have the chats, have the crack. And uh, yeah, it was good. It was good to be back on the old horse, the old, <laughs> the old presenting horse. That's what I call it when you're a presenter and you get and you're working. It's a horse. Uh, no, but I loved it. Um, I'd kind of forgotten about it. I was a little bit worried because it had been a while since I'd done something like that. And off. also I wasn't in front of a live audience, so I didn't know. Although I did the uh, awards thing, but that was slightly different. Anyway, I always got a little bit nervous before them. Anyway, it went well. It was good. It was great to get out of the house. It was great to get dressed up. I had to put on a jacket and a tie and a shirt and a waistcoat and shoes. I had to put on shoes, like not runners. Shoes, crazy stuff. I'm telling you, it's all going on, and uh, yeah, it was just great to meet other people, uh, people working with people that 
you know, with these things, you meet people and, um, and you work with them for, you know, six, seven hours and you may not see them again. But you've definitely, most of them you haven't met them before. So it's nice to get out, meet new people, pretend you're normal and uh, do a good job. So that was my day. I had a good day, but I'm absolutely fucking shattered. Like, I know it's not, you know, it's not mining. But it does take it out of you. And also when you're not used to it. And then the traffic. I was like, oh, I forgot about this. Sitting in traffic in the rain, getting home. And I was like, my God. I wasn't, it didn't in any way stress me because I didn't, I wasn't, I'm not doing it every day. And I was just glad to be doing something different. So it's actually quite nice just sat in the car listening to Tommy and Hector's podcast. And uh, the Tommy and Hector podcast with Loretta Blewett, I should say, to give it its full title. Um, and happy as Larry. Happy as a pig in sh- um, what other podcasts? Oh yes, I've been listening to the Where Is George Gibney podcast by Mark Horgan, which is if you haven't listened to it, start listening to it. If you start listening to it and you stop, listen to it. It is utterly brilliant, fascinating, really well put together. The subject matter is so important uh, that it's 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 so well dealt with. And I tweeted today, like, the humanity, the humanity of of Mark Horgan, the presenter, and his team. And you'll hear it in dealing with the people, the victims of George Gibney. He dealt with them so well. He was so good with them. And it was great to hear, because sometimes these, um, these productions, I suppose, can be a bit hand-wringing, like, misery and what, Whereas George Gibney managed to get across, these are real people with real lives. A lot of them have moved on with their lives and maybe decided to forget all about it and try and move on. Um, and then here in the podcast, decide no, maybe I, maybe I do want to tell the authorities, make a statement, get get involved, you know. And and whereas George Gibney was bringing these people back out of where they were, and I can only imagine, you know, it's a good thing. And also they were, they, they were getting to talk to each other. So victims of abuse very often, they don't talk to each other. Uh, so they don't get to share stories. So they feel very isolated. So when something like this happens, it's it's lovely to see the victims talk to each other, um, meet each other, talk about their um, experience, terrible experience, horrific experience. and But also a problem shared is a problem. I'm not going to say half, but it's it's a problem. A problem shared is a problem shared, which is can be an immense can be an immense part of the healing process. But I, I just I love the fact that they just start decided to go after this guy. I love the fact that they decided to um they just they decided to you know talk to the victims and just see where it went and not be worried about whatever it is that let that man get away with what he did. Um, you know, they knew they had right on their sides. And uh, I I just, yeah, I, I applaud them. Brilliant. Really great podcast, really great production. And more than that, like the what they're doing, what they've done, it's more than just about the victims of George Gibney. It's about, it's if you're listening to that and you've been the victim of abuse at the hands of an adult, that's for you as well, because then you feel seen and 
Ireland is different now and there's a younger generation looking to help the victims of an older generation and we we're here to listen like Ireland is ready to listen to these people now and try and get justice even if the politicians tend to let us down let people down at the last hurdle but that's you know eventually that will that kind of thing will go away as well once we become and it will be a transparent society and there won't be as many places to hide i hope anyway that's as you know podcast recommendation and hats off to those guys brilliant stuff um don't know what i'm going to do on thursdays now we'll have still have the tommy and hector podcast tommy and hector with Larita blue podcast which is which is brilliant and hilarious and tommy turn has his own podcast out I think it's called the Tommy Turner Podcast. I think he nicked the name off mine because mine is called the Keith Walsh Podcast. And all he did was change the Keith Walsh part to Tommy Turner. I mean, come on. Uh, and I had listened to his first episode today, which was very good. So I look forward to having that to listen to on Thursdays. Anywho, um, today's guest on the Thursday podcast, the Thursday evening, Friday morning podcast is... Uh, I just want to make sure I have the details here in front of me. It's Taryn, anyway. Taryn Devere is her name. And she is an Australian living in Donegal. She says in her own Twitter bio, uh, possibly the most colourful woman in Ireland. She's very colourful. Co-founder of At Queer Media, which is a publication um, described here as a fun, diverse and radical weekly online publication. She, um, herself and Nadine Reid, you might know Nadine as TV presenter, uh, personality, I suppose you might call her, but a uh, journalist and uh, presenter. Um, and they have, so Queer, Queer is the name of an online publication that they have worked on and put out every week. Follow at Queer Media for more. The reason I wanted to talk to Taryn was that there was a little bit of a, of the whole trans rights question has been um, is something that I've been aware of and I've been looking at and uh, there's been a lot of aggro between well-known UK uh, personalities, I suppose, uh, authors, writers, TV show writers um, who have ha- decided to have a view on what trans rights are and what they need to be and what trans people need to be doing. These aren't trans people. These are just people who aren't trans, but telling telling trans people what they need to do. Um, and that's kind of been going on for a long time. Um, and I'm aware of it because I'm a Father Ted fan and Graham Linhan's been involved. And uh, so you, you get drawn into these things and you become curious. And I don't know a huge amount of information as much as I should know about trans rights and what's going on and what the argument is and what the discussion is and I wanted to find out more and this week it kind of bled into Irish Twitter and journalists Irish journalists got involved in having a say um, there was one particular journalist who did work for the Guardian and as far as I can make out she was leaving and she had she said her goodbyes and then an Irish Times journalist sort of said look I don't agree with everything here, but she had a lot of good things to say. And she felt then, I think she felt like she was kind of not cancelled, but being cancelled or, you know, she she seemed to get a really bad time. Um, 
And I just found it interesting because it seemed to me like I look at Twitter and I think, oh, all these people are friends, though. And it seemed then the Irish Times journalists, another journalist came out to support that journalist. And as I said on the podcast, it seemed like cool Twitter were all falling out with each other. Anyway, I wanted to know more. And I thought Taryn would be a good person to talk to because of her experience of trans. Uh, she has a daughter who... Um, well, she has a daughter. She'll explain. Um, and I knew she'd be a good person to talk to. And to try and maybe, if you're listening to this, you might not know as much as... You might be in the same position as me. And I'm just curious, and that's the reason for the podcast, is to find out stuff. Um, and... Yeah, that's why I decided to have a chat with Taryn and see what the crack was with trans rights. And um, she told me a little bit about her publication queer as well, including why men send willy pics to women. We I don't think we got to the bottom of that. So if anybody knows, you can you can always email the podcast keithwalsh.walsh at gmail.com or keithwalshpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Anyway, uh, here is Taryn and I will be back with just a little few words afterwards i'll talk to you then sure taryn thank you very much for joining me how are you today yeah i'm great how are you very good um where how where are you from originally what's the accent i detect there i'm australian originally uh currently a try-hard irish person because my application is in with the department of um immigration if you're listening to department of immigration let me in <laughs> let me stay yeah, she's done more now for Ireland than most people have, in fairness to her. She's a good citizen. She's she's worth having around. That's just my two cents. Yeah, well, I, I think. I think. I'll vouch for you. What brought you to Ireland? Uh, well, now that's a long story. Um, what brought, I say that a failed relationship brought me to Ireland and then failed relationships kept me here. That's, that's, that's my short, that's it in a sentence. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of was going out with a guy from Belfast in Australia. And then he came home and he was like, oh, why don't you come over too? And I thought, oh, yeah, fuck it. What else have I got to do? You know, I was like 20 living in Sydney. So I decided I would come over. And by then the relationship was over, obviously, because it didn't really last the distance. Um, landed into pre-Good Friday uh, Belfast. Absolutely crazy with no clue of what I was walking into. Um but yeah, love Belfast. It's it's my kind of home in Ireland. And then I've ended up marrying a guy from Donegal. And so when that relationship split up and we were shared custody of our kids, uh, that's the failed relationships keeping me in Ireland. <laughs> and then now I think if I had the choice, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Like Ireland is really my home now. I, I don't want to go back to anywhere other than here. And Donegal especially, do you, you like it there? I do love Donegal, yeah. Donegal's beautiful. It's a great county. Uh, let me start off by talking to you about uh, your publication with Nadine Reed. It's called Queer. Is that the cor- correct pronunciation? Is it? Do I have to give it a Dublin queer? Or is it, <laughs> is queer fine? You can say it however you like. Yeah, I think it's it's used, it's a term used all over Ireland in different parts of Ireland and means different, slightly different things in different parts of Ireland too, but my kind of knowledge of it would be the northern queer which is when something is kind of good in a weird way you know so people would say oh that she's she's a queer one that the woman over there she's queer you know and they would mean well she's kind of interesting 
we're not sure about her, but it's interesting and it's sort of good. <laughs> you know, so there's a bit of wariness, but it's it's generally good. Um, it can also be used as a, I don't know, if I'm going to say the word preposition, but I don't even know what I'm talking about. It can also be used before a word like queer nice or queer good or... Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of a bit interchangeable with like while as well, you know, while nice, while good, whatever. It's a bit like that. Yeah. So it's got, I, I just love the word. I was like, yeah, queer, that's an amazing, it's an amazing word. I love it. It's sort of, it's one of those things that, um, you know, one of those words that gets used about me a lot by local people. <laughs> so, okay. So I thought that was particularly, yeah, yeah they're, they're not sure about me, but maybe it's something good. <laughs> They use they use queer and wild together. Yeah, well, queer. Uh, queer wild. Uh, the but and I was talking to my son the other day, and I was talking about the word queer. And uh, I'm not a, I'm not an uh, an expert on the subject, but I was trying to because he thought, well, that's a bad way of describing somebody who might describe themselves as queer. And I said, well, I think it's okay to say queer, but I don't think you can say it. And you know, you can't call somebody uh, queer if you want to hurt their feelings. Uh, but they can call themselves queer. And I was kind of saying, maybe it's like the N-word, that if you're queer and you choose to call yourself queer, that's okay, but maybe we shouldn't say queer because we don't, you know, about somebody else, you know, let them decide if they are or not. But it's a, it's, it's a difficult, um, it's a difficult, <laughs> I find it difficult to navigate these things, but it's, but it's nice that these conversations are happening, you know? It is. No, I think, I think um, queer, which is a different word to queer, even though queer does mean Irish form of queer but it's a really really old word like really old a couple of thousand years old word uh, oh, am I right in that hang on there's a whole blind boy podcast on on the origins of, of um, the word queer it dates back to the Viking times when was that I'm, I'm forgetting my history but anyway oh you could be talking like, yeah Viking, if you... like Wexford time yeah. is, is where the word comes from and um, so yeah it, it, it while it does mean queer it doesn't mean queer in the context of what we now understand queer to be in a sexuality term. But to answer what you're talking about with your son, I mean, I think there's there's lots of people who, who still define themselves as queer and the LGBTQIA, a Q is queer. So it is just a, it is a term. I don't think it's an offensive term. It maybe used to be like when I was a kid, it would have been offensive to call somebody a queer, you know, but now I think it's one of those words that's really been reclaimed. So let's park the word queer because that's separate to the publication queer. They're two separate words. Why and where did the why did you decide uh, to start queer and what was the idea behind it? The type of articles you wanted to publish. So I think Nadine and I are both people who are we're both kind of immigrants to Ireland and we both have a very different experience of Ireland to what people who've grown up in Ireland have. Now, I've been here for 20 years and Nadine has been here for three years, I think it is. Um, so even our experiences are quite different. You know, I've been here so long. Um, but we we both, I guess a lot of the people that I know and I would be most friendly with tend to be other immigrants and other people who've moved to Ireland and chosen Ireland to, to, as a country to live in. And I think there's just uh, those people bring a huge amazing wealth of experience and difference and diversity to Ireland that really enriches the country. So both of us were like, well, there's all these amazing, interesting people that we both know uh, or we know of and why, you know, we'd love to see their stories somewhere. We'd love to see these people talking about the things they're passionate about. 
and what they're doing in Ireland and what they're not what they're bringing to Ireland necessarily because it's just who they are and it's just what they do but that was the sort of original concept behind it and then more broadly in terms of like diversity in Irish media uh, we wanted to be somewhere that was really really a big focus on diversity in all of the different ways that it's possible to be diverse uh, so we have a very, very small, like, cis, white, straight male <laughs> quotient <laughs> of contributors. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, that's kind of unusual, I think, in the Irish media landscape. You know, you're, you're, we're more likely to, to kind of be a bit kind of wary of the, of the cis, white, hetero man <laughs> who tries to do something for queer, but, oh, you know, you better be good if you're going to be the one we let... <laughs> I'm worried about I'm worried about this podcast now. <laughs> can I just uh, can I just ask you because just to backtrack a little bit because some of my listeners might not know what you just said. So cis white, I mean, I, it, and I know it's you're very much, it's 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 second, it's your language. It's it's I mean, I understand what it means, but just to explain to people that might know what it means because I think it's important. Sure. Yeah. So um, cisgender people are people who identify with the gender that they were assigned at birth. So when the doctor looked at your genitals and said, oh, you're a girl or you're a boy, and you grow up probably never thinking about, you know, whether that was a choice that you had or whether, you know, that was good for you or not good for you, or you had the privilege to, to grow up like that, I guess. Um, that's a cisgender person. And then transgender people are people who do not identify with the gender they were assigned at birth. Uh, so trans and cis are just short, shortened terms. Um, so yeah, cis, cis white male, I guess, is the thing that just, you know, the, the male pale and stale kind of thing that we see all the time around just how often the voices, particularly in media, tend to be kind of older, white, straight men. And um, it's, I, yeah, I'm nothing against those men, but it's just, no, you know, you hate men. Come on. You know, and, and a lot of them have good things to say, and it's great. But um, you know, they definitely have their spaces already. Like they, they, there's places that that love cis white uh, straight men and really want to platform them. So that's great. Go to those places. Go to those um, publications, and and you know, get platformed there. But queer queer media is more about uh, you know highlighting and platforming voices that aren't heard so often. Yeah, one of the articles I read briefly was uh, was this. Uh, I can't remember the headline. Was very funny. I should have written it down in my notes. It was about men who like to, sh to send pictures of willies to. Oh yeah, dicks from dicks. Dicks from dicks. That's perfect. <laughs> and and I was thinking, I was thinking of asking you about. It. I was going, and then I thought, why? Like, <laughs> unfortunately, I can't ask a man. I can't get a man on the podcast and say, why do you? If I could find a man, one of these men that sends photographs of his willy to women and I would interview him and I say, why do you send photographs of your willy to women? And he would say, well, I don't really. He wouldn't believe that he did. Um, and then I said, well, there is a picture here that I have that you sent. Oh, no, well, that was I was drunk that night. OK. Or I might speak to another. No, I don't really. Well, here's a pic. Oh, no, that was just a joke. So yeah. we don't even you couldn't even ask a man about it because he doesn't even think he does it. And if he does it, it's like, relax, will you? It's just, a, it's just a joke. Like what? Like, first of all, first of all, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, why? 
Why? But anyway, I, I see. See, now I have to ask you about it. And like, you you don't know why men send really pics to women, do you? Well, I mean, that's the the interesting thing about, about Carolyn's piece is that you know she actually talks to researchers who who have looked into this and looked into why men do it. And there are actually a certain percentage of men who who very deliberately do this and who do it because they want to kind of they want to humiliate the receiver. And they want the woman to feel powerless and sometimes they want her to feel scared. So there, and then there is like a, a, a sort of cohort of men apparently who send them because they think that the woman will actually like it, but they think that she um, would be kind of too scared to say that she does like it because of the society we live in or something. I thought that was a real stretch, but you know, I'm not one of these men, so I don't know. I don't know what they think. They seem to think weird things because like it would just literally never occur to me. I can, I've never been sitting like in my bedroom at 10.30 on a Friday night and looked down and thought, oh, you know what I might do? I might take a picture of my bush and send it to this stranger on the internet. Like I just, just wouldn't occur to me. Do you know what I mean? Like it just seems, I just can't even imagine the world that you'd have to be in to think that. It, it just seems bizarre, but I but I get what what that might have been, and that like men, uh, it's like it's uh, it's no, yeah, but no means yes, kind of no, you know. It's like you're just you really do like it, but you have to pretend you don't like it because other yeah, people will think exactly. other people will think you're a slut if you say you like it, but you really do like it. Yes, that's exactly mm. it. I think that's almost a quote in there. Actually, is that that they that's think beautiful. they'll get slut shamed if they say they like it. But, and I mean, maybe some people do like it, but, but I mean, I think most people like stuff that they've consented to far more than stuff that they haven't consented to, you know, like, is it okay if I send you a dick pic? Oh, okay. Yeah. I might be into that. Send it to me. You know, I've consented to it <laughs> you know? or Hey, no, thanks. Not really feeling like looking at strangers penises tonight. <laughs> you know? Just give us a choice lads. That's all we're asking for here. Give us a choice. Yeah. I, could you send it to me next Wednesday? I think I <laughs> just not I just not in the mood at the moment. Exactly. I have been sent. I've been sent a picture picture of boobies unsolicited. Does that Ooh. count? Although I think it's in a similar vein. Yeah, it's exactly mm. the same kind of thing. It's it, well, so it's not breasts aren't really genitalia, are they? They're like secondary sex characteristics, breasts, but still. Mm, yeah, it's a funny one with boobs, isn't it? Because like if you sent a picture of a man's naked chest you know we have that whole kind of sexist thing around women's breasts being sexualized and and men's chests being totally fine so I don't know yeah that, that could be like a it could be like a feminist statement but I don't know I think anything unsolicited is kind of inappropriate like pictures of body parts being sent unsolicited is a bit it's a weird at the very least I think we could agree on that yeah, I think I was very curious. I was like, because I'm, I've been married for a long time. I'm, you know, mid forties. I'm not, I'm not on the market. So I was very much like, sorry, why did you, what, why did you send them to me? <laughs> why did you send me that picture? And she was like, oh, I thought you might like them. I'm like, okay, no, I, you know, in fairness, I do like looking at boobies. That's not, a, you know, but like, did you hope, you know, I was almost like, yeah. I'd love to get her on the podcast actually, you know? And I was like, so what, what's, what did you, what did you get out of it? She's like, oh, I just thought I might cheer you up. And I was like, okay, cool. Right. Well, thanks very much. <laughs> and I, was, I was trying to be polite about it. I was like, well, thanks very much. And um, 
and should have immediately blocked her because but I felt uh, I felt that might be rude so I was just trying to be friendly I was like okay thank you very much I'm okay for pictures of boobs at the moment but thanks for <laughs> thinking of me and then she would randomly send me another picture like on a Saturday night and eventually I had to go look this is not um I, I'm gonna have to <laughs> I'm gonna have to be rude here and say look this yeah. is not this is not good you know uh, I don't know why you're doing it I hope you <laughs> hope you get better or so I like why was I presuming there was something wrong with her but I was like I hope you find what you're looking for but you know it's but I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to block you now I'm sorry you know <laughs> this is the stuff that they just don't really teach you in those like internet safety things I've got kids and I've been to those like you know this is how you talk to your kids about internet safety and stuff and like I've never had one of those sessions where they said, okay, this is what you do when you're like in your 40s and you're married and you're sitting in your house and somebody sends you a picture of boobs. You know, like the internet has just produced all these bizarre problems for us to have to try and solve, like you trying to figure out how to be polite to this person. <laughs> you know, and you know, it's just it's just such a strange new world that we live in, isn't it? But I was curious as well about her. I was like, and then I was like, and then I started thinking, I bet, and then I started thinking, because I was, I suppose it's, I'm, I have a journalistic mind or something. And I was like, and then I said, I bet this is a guy, right? Who's pretending to be a woman. And he's sending me pictures of boobies to see what, you know, and I like, I was seriously intrigued, you know? So I, you know, at one point I was like, and, you know, I was having these serious conversations. I, was like, I think you might be a, a man and pretend, and, you know, so, so it was just bizarre. And then eventually I just went, okay, this is, I've, I've done enough investigating here. This is just odd. But, um, but uh, get, get, go on, yeah. People really that do that kind of stuff. It's, it's I don't know, I, I couldn't get into their heads because I'm not that kind of person. So it's just, a, it's a strange thing. I think ultimately what we're saying is, lads, if you think if you think it might be nice to send someone a willy pick, uh, don't. Um, you know, I wouldn't even. Yeah, but but even like if you're if you're asking somebody, can I send you a picture of my willy? I know you're giving them the opportunity to say no, but even at that is a bit of a violation, isn't it? It's like, oh, now I have to think about this guy and his willy, and I also have to reply to him. I don't even know him. You know, it's okay if it's someone you know, like your cousin, but like, you know, not if somebody you don't know. <laughs> I suppose that's true yeah even just making you think about somebody else like hmm, do I want to see the strangest penis yeah that's true because um, it's like the whole stalker thing you know I, I read uh, Lily Allen's brilliant book and she really go, goes into detail about her stalker and how terrifying it was you know and how at the same time the tabloids were kind of like calling her a bit of a whinger and you know really like weird to see the two sides of one story and how it was being delivered to people through tabloid newspapers and how 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 it was a living hell for the person in it but the yeah. stalker part of it is that thing of even asking a woman can i send you a picture of my willy you you're you're you have to you don't want that person in your life you haven't asked for this person it's like being at a bar and having a drink with your friend and somebody drunk or otherwise just deciding that they wanted to talk to you and that you did actually want to talk to men but you're just shy and that no means yes you know it's 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 all bound up in the same thing isn't it it is yeah it's all the, it's all the sense of entitlement and this idea that you know women are kind of public property and the idea that the idea that the ma that we i mean i know it's i know it's a man's world um but the idea that the man has the power and it's transactional and you should be glad, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard to sort of untangle, 
you know, hundreds, hundreds, maybe not thousands, but hundreds of years of this. Uh, it's like man. It's like I, I don't say that we've been brainwashed as if to excuse us in some way. But there's definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, it is it is thousands. It's about patriarchy is about three thousand years old, and um, it was a very deliberate uh, kind of invention that was created specifically to kind of control women and to take uh, a particular community out of this sort of communal living and into people becoming more um, centered on their own households. And so, in order to get the men in this uh, in this country to uh, go along with it, the ruler at the time, he said, right, well, what we're going to do to give you guys still the feeling of power is we're going to create this hierarchical structure and you're going to have power over everyone in your household, your wife and all your children. And that's how they kind of got men's buy-in on this sort of structure that essentially still exists today, the sort of state structure that we have of, with a, well, a kind of ruler at the top and um, then you know advisors and stuff like that and so yeah it is really interesting because I did this great course in Derry a few years ago called Dismantling the Patriarchy and we learned all about the history of patriarchy and all these fascinating things about patriarchy through the years and how it's manifested and um, yeah it was really really it, it's a it's very very interesting to find out about it all um, for, especially I think there was a few men at it um, which was great but it was really, it was really powerful for I think all of us women uh, who were at it as well to really just have it laid out. Oh, that's why this happens. That's why, you know. And it is, it is kind of that we're all a bit brainwashed by it, you know, because that's the society that we've we've grown up in. And um, so it's it's like anything. It's really hard to deprogram yourself from something that you've kind of grown up with in that society and everything around you is entrenched in this um so it's life is untangling patriarchy every day you know and i from the little i do know about breton law i was under the under the impression that it was a matriarchal society um but that was quite a long time ago um and i don't know an awful lot about it so my point being is that it is a construct and there are there have been other examples of other ways of living here in Ireland and on the islands of England and Scotland and Wales where 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 we had a matriarchal society um and it does work quite well but I suppose ideally we don't want to we want to what would what would it be if the men and women had equal rights what would that be just a just an equal rights society I suppose there wouldn't be a matriarchal yeah, I guess so. and it's also it's sort of interesting that um, I think part of the dismantling patriarchy that's sort of happening organically is the dismantling of gender and the dismantling of gender roles that's happening. And um, so that that's just sort of organically happening. And there's so many, te I know so many teenagers in Donegal who are non-binary, uh, it's unreal, you know? So that's that's fascinating to me that's that's the patriarchy starting to come really unstuck because the patriarchy really likes keeping people in their in their boxes and in their specific roles and once again just to explain non-binary for anybody who's listening yeah so uh non-binary people are people who either don't identify as male or female 
or um, maybe sort of switch between the two. Um, sometimes identify as male, sometimes identify as female. And they, they will use all different types of pronouns. It could be she, her, or he, him, or it could be they, them. Um, so yeah, it's just like with, with everybody, it's a good idea to check people's pronouns before you chatting to them. If I was to put my pronouns on social media as a cis, white, straight male, what would they be, he, him? He, him, yeah, and that's, that, that's a great act of allyship, actually, that you can do, and I say that, I don't actually have them in mind, but that's because I'm prioritising other things, but I do have lots of good stuff in support of trans rights on my feed and on my profile picture and everything, so that's how I kind of make up for it. Yeah, you're very active uh, as, as a trans rights activist. Um, can you tell me why or, or what? Yeah, I can. Um, well, I, I've had trans people in my life for a long time, but uh, I wouldn't have definitely wouldn't have called myself a trans rights activist before my own uh, child told me that she was a girl. So when she was five, she told me she was a girl. And um, I just thought, okay, this is, I, I actually didn't really think much of it because you know, five-year-olds, they're always, I'm a monster, I'm a, today can I be a dinosaur, whatever. Um, and then, she said, could she get a dress? And I said, yeah, you can get a dress. And this happened like on a Saturday evening and she was really excited and she wanted to go to the shop and buy a dress then and there. And I was like, well, we live in rural Donegal. There's no shops open where you can buy a dress on a Saturday night. And so I had um, a sheet, a floral sheet and I cut it up and I hand sewed her this dress. And it took me like four hours and um, very simple dress because I'm not a great sewer and then uh, she she put it on and she was just so delighted and she asked if she could have a new name and um, so she came up with a new name for herself and just she she was just like a transformed child and I thought wow this is really interesting she's really there's something happening here but obviously you're not really thinking reading too much into it as well um, and anyway as the years have gone on she's been very consistent and now she is a girl at school and um, she's fully socially transitioned and she's just who she is and uh, you know we all love her to bits she's she's great crack and that that I guess is has really um, given me a much greater insight into the difficulties facing the trans community uh, particularly trans kids but also, I mean, trans adults face a lot of issues as well. The whole community is just, it's never ending. It seems like never ending attacks from the media and from, you know, different organizations. And uh, yeah, I think we, we need all the help we can get. We need all the allies we can get. We need all the support that we can get um, because it's, it's a really particularly tough time right now. And I know from uh, doing a little bit of research that there is a problem at the moment with um, with the medication. Uh, I see you have used the hashtag trans healthcare now. Um, and I noticed that you said that there's zero healthcare in Ireland for trans ch children. Is that correct? Is that what's the what's the issue there? Yeah, so um, Ireland had outsourced its um, healthcare for trans children to Tavistock, which is the gender identity um, clinic in, uh, in London. 
And they had, I think, as far as I understand, the HSE had had a kind of contract with Tavistock that Tavistock were going to look after Irish children, Irish trans kids. So Tavistock would travel over to Ireland once a month. And then on occasion, some ch um, children would also travel over to London and get uh, treatment under the treatment abroad scheme. Um, so what's happened is Tavistock had ended their contract early. Um, I'm not sure why, but they did. And uh, even with that, though, it was still due to end very soon, which was going to leave trans children with nothing. So as far as I'm aware, the plan was within the HSE that they were going to end this contract at this time in order to have their own service up and running for, to be able to treat children in Ireland. But that service is not up and running. And so now that Tavistock have left, even though it's only like a month or two early, there is no sign of our service happening in Ireland. So you've got all of these children and the ones that we're really talking about here are ones who are going through puberty who are in severe distress, who might need um, puberty blockers as a life-saving intervention for them. And puberty blockers are very safe, been used on children who have precocious puberty, cis children, have been used on cis children with precocious puberty for nearly 30 years, entirely safe, uh, completely reversible. And what they do with trans kids is they allow them to have a couple of years where their body just sort of enters a kind of status where it doesn't develop. So they don't develop the secondary sex characteristics, the breasts don't grow, all that kind of stuff. Um, so they remain, their body remains in a kind of more childlike state. And this allows them, allows them the years to get that bit older, to be able to make a more informed decision about whether or not they want to start on cross hormones. Um, because, you know, cross hormones is kind of obviously that once you go through puberty, it's not really reversible. It sort of is, but it's a it's huge. It involves a lot of interventions and a lot of, you know, there can be surgeries and stuff like that. Like if you're a, uh, if you have breasts, you might have to get a um, double mastectomy, things like that. So, it's way better if you can if you can earlier do the puberty blockers and buy yourself that time to figure out whether or not this is a, a road you want to go on for the rest of your life. You know. So um, that's what the whole sort of argument's been happening over in the UK at the moment. And I mean, this has left Ireland in a really bad situation. It must be hard not to feel as a, if, as a trans child or whatever that, you know, not, not loved or, you know, not really, uh, not like, uh, any, you know, like nobody cares because that this has been allowed to happen. You know, if it was allowed to happen to, any other member of society to be uproar, you know, it seems like uh, just doesn't seem terribly nice of us to do that. Um, awful. It's I really, also, it's, yeah, go on. I was just going to say, like, it is, um, it's the the health system isn't, our HSE isn't brilliant for any kids, you know, obviously we, we, we all know there's kids with waiting scoliosis operations for years and stuff like that, you know, it, it's pretty horrendous. Um, but to have actually no healthcare plan at all in place for children, when we know because research and evidence has been done that shows that um, puberty blockers can actually be life-saving and that they are a very positive thing for um, trans children to be able to access positive and physical and mentally, uh, ment 
positive in their um, in their for their mental health. So uh, you know we know the evidence is there. So this is really negligent of the HSC. And yeah, would they would they provide absolutely zero service to to other people with other issues? It, you know, it seems unlikely. So yeah, it, there's there's something going on, and it's not okay. And we all need to make some noise about it. You don't mind talking about this, do you? I mean, I, I know that uh, the, the terrible thing is that there's you're, you're a very interesting person in your own right as well. But I just think this is a, something that I'm interested in learning more about. And, and it's, I think it's it's uh, it's something that I, I think other people should should know more about. So are you OK to, for me to ask you these questions? Yeah, yeah, I am. I, of course. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm a parent of a trans child and I also work for a um, healthcare provider that provides um, healthcare to trans people as well all around the world, which is Gender GP. So I run their social media for them. Oh, great. Um, so can you explain to me what happened recently with and because I, I see certain people in the media writing about trans rights and feminism and I get I suppose I get quite confused maybe I don't read I probably don't read the articles well enough I don't look into it enough but but I'm in, I'm intrigued so Suzanne Moore of the Guardian was has in the past written about trans trans rights what her opinion, given her opinion, is she a trans person herself? No, she's she, somebody who is a, a gender critical person. So she would be on the opposite camp. So she, so she just has opinions on what other people should do with themselves. Yes. All right. Okay. So but just that's it. Just as a person who just likes to write about what they think other people should be doing. I think so. I think that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. I think all of the, everything that's been going on lately um, that's been spilling into the Irish media circles really could all be summed up in like, you know, nothing about us without us. Like don't write about trans people if you aren't trans or you don't have trans people in your life or work with trans people. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's offensive and condescending and insulting and actually dangerous to be uh, writing about something that you don't have lived experience of or you don't have an expertise in. And why I say it's dangerous is because this whole like, you know, can't we look at both sides idea is should never be applied to anything to do with human rights. There is no both sides with human rights. So don't ask people to, you know, respect the views of somebody who would deny them health care, who doesn't want them to have access to a public toilet when they need it. That, like, that, that's where, and then people turning around and saying, oh, you know, um, I got piled on after I said X, Y, and Z. Well, just don't say shitty things about vulnerable communities, you know. If you don't want to get piled on, don't say don't be a douche like don't say shitty things about minority vulnerable communities that's i, I find you know that works for me really well <laughs> you know? so it's um it's just it's a bit scary because it's real clickbaity stuff and the irish media has up till now largely been quite good with uh trans rights and and being fairly trans reasonably trans inclusive but in the last couple of weeks, we've seen things taking a bit of a nasty turn. And it's a really frightening time for everybody who's trans and who loves trans people and has trans people in their lives. 
So it has been a it has been an interesting time, and I've been looking at going. Hang on a second, is and I don't mean that, and, and I am being glib, but this is just you know because I'm being glib. Uh, you know, it was, it was like cool Twitter is falling apart here. They're turning on each other. You know, but but at the same time, um, if there's a serious element to it because I think from what I can see happened, the Irish Times writer Roshan Ingle just tweeted about Suzanne Moore's sort of, you know, her resignation, her last column or her last whatever before she left the Guardian. She 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 was she felt like she she'd been cancelled. Was Roshan Ingle then in 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 was she supporting her then? I think that's basically she seemed to be supporting her, but she was kind of well, I'm not supporting everything she says, but something she says is really good. And that was seen as well, you know, you either support her or you don't. It was it was a black and white issue. Is that is that kind of what was happening? Or? I think for me, the more interesting thing actually about it all was that that you know Roshin didn't clarify. Um and and that and then she just kind of didn't tweet for a while and then just resumed normal tweeting. I think that is actually where the story is uh, more so than anything, because if you read the replies to her tweet, they're kind of 90% incredibly respectful. And um, there's maybe a couple of tweets in there that, you know, people are, are doing their horrible Twitter abuse stuff. Mm. But for the most part, I think people came from a really respectful point of view a really respectful place and um, so what's what's really interesting then is that she didn't address any of those issues and she didn't tweet any kind of clarification about her position so as far as we're all aware we're just it's been left there in this space of kind of not quite knowing exactly where she stands on this because she hasn't clarified herself and presumably, like for her, she would say, "Well, this look—it's my right to, to, to you know, support this person. I mightn't agree with everything that they're saying, but I'm just saying she's a good journalist. That's basically what I'm saying. Uh, and and I don't need to, I don't, I don't have to answer to anybody. I don't need to clarify what I said to anybody. I'm, I, nobody owns me. My like my bosses pay me, and that's it. So so why would I respond?" Um, For sure. And I think, though, that, you know, um, I think all journalists, but particularly those who have national platforms, have a responsibility, but particularly if you're framing yourself as a feminist journalist, and if you run, you know, something like the Woman's Podcast, I think you, you do have a responsibility. And um, all of us who, who are journalists have a responsibility to minority communities. And so... There, there is that element. I think the other part of this is the fact that we then got Fintan O'Toole's piece, you know, following quickly thereafter. And um, I so, mean, what, what? Give me the, what was the? That's, a, that's an astounding piece of writing, <laughs> like so, and so, not in a good way. <laughs> so, what was the? What was Fintan's point of point of view? Where was he coming from? What was his article about? Fintan's argue was argument was kind of like we've got gender critical people who want to deny trans people their rights and we've got trans people but you know can't we all just get together and agree that patriarchy is the real enemy um you know so it's a bit like uh you know and and also kind of uh dumping on people for having called out Roshin as well and so it's just and there was a number of journalists who, who sort of did similar tweets and stuff uh, kind of support, in support of Roshin. 
and um and yeah again it's everybody's right to support who they want to support and and their twitter is their own and all of that kind of stuff uh, but you would love to see the same amount of support being given to trans people who get terrific amounts of abuse on Twitter every single day, who are also, you know, far more likely to die by suicide, far less likely to get um, the, the healthcare supports that they need. They're like 87% more likely to be sexually assaulted, like a whole slew of awful statistics. Uh, for trans people and the type of lives that they that they lead and that they're likely to have as a trans person. So, you know, everybody jumping up and down about hurt feelings for journalists, it really, uh, it's so wrong note to me in the current climate where literal rights are being taken away. And we have kids who are on suicidal right now in Ireland today because they can't get the healthcare that they need. So, you know, l let's prioritize whose hurt feelings are the most important ones here, I think is, is, would be my take. Yeah, it strikes me as if could Ireland, need to be, Ireland needs to be the parent you were when the five-year-old comes to Ireland and says, today I want to be a girl, and I want to wear a dress and we'll make them a dress. And then the next day they might say, I want to be, a as you said, we don't need to worry about it. We don't need to overthink this thing. We just need to deal with the person, each individual person and what they're saying on any given day. That's all. That's all we have to worry about. If we just just think of it that way, don't, don't make it bigger than it is. Don't worry about where this is going to lead, where we're all going to end up in the, you know, in hell for this yeah. and how many people are going to change their mind? Well, well, loads yeah. of people change their mind. There's people get married and change their mind. There's people that go into the priesthood and change their mind. There's people that get married and then go into the priesthood and then come back out and get married again. Like, don't worry about the future. Stop living in the in future. Deal with the five-year-old that comes to your door and says, this is how I feel today. And then deal with them that day. And then tomorrow's another day. That's the way I, stop writing articles about it or write yeah. that article. Yeah, because, you know, what kids need is love and support and they need to feel accepted. And uh, adults are much the same. You know, we need love and support and we need to feel accepted. So, you know, the, the, the whole idea that certain people are trying to bring the, the, a debate about the rights of trans people to Ireland uh, should be something that all of us are really heartily rejecting. And, um, you know, it's because it, it's, it's dangerous and it leads dangerous places and people end up getting hurt and some people end up dying. And, you know, that's the bottom line here for me is it, tweets can seem like a small thing, but a tweet from a powerful person, and I'm not talking about Roisin's tweet here, I'm talking more generally um, because a lot of this has been happening in the UK. Powerful people's words have influence. We know they have an effect. We know they have reach. We know they cause change in societies and communities. And that's where people with platforms and people with power have a huge responsibility to minority communities. Hmm. And as I said, like the one argument is, I think the, the one of the main arguments is from, you know, it's just kind of what if they change their mind or whatever, like this, that just seems to be so redundant, you know, and, 
and I and I and to be honest with you, as a father, like I know one way of making sure my daughter or son doesn't change his mind is if I dig my heels in and go against his wishes. Do you know what I mean? It's not helpful. It's not going to work. You know. And also, the statistics just don't bear up on it. Like in terms of the UK, their um, detransition rate is one percent. Um, and that's that's of a study of uh, it was a three thousand three hundred uh, sorry three thousand and thirty people I think it was um, and one percent of those people detransitioned but we don't actually know even why those people detransitioned uh, some of them might have detransitioned because of family rejection or societal rejection you know there's lots of different reasons and there's been people sharing stories on Twitter in the last few days talking about why they detransitioned. And their stories are not because they regretted having transitioned. It's because society made it so hard for them. So, you know, there are some people who do regret. It's a bit like abortion, you know, just because some people who do regret their choices at the time does not mean we should take away the options and the health care for the, the 99% of other people who actually really need it and for whom it can be life-saving. Yeah, look, I mean, it's uh, unfortunately, it seems to be, um, something that's crept into Irish, I suppose, Irish journalists have started talking. It, it, I, I don't know. It's. I just Shout think out to the Irish Examiner for being the the ones who've really been great through all of this and who have actually platformed the voices of trans people. Woohoo! Go Irish Examiner. Happy well Christmas. The Irish Examiner. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one. That's the that's the new paper of record. Um, Indeed. Uh, can you tell me about your design work? Yeah, so I, amongst many things, I also have a little shop, uh, tarandvere.com, and I make and sell kind of bits and pieces. I'm kind of, I, I did start with kind of handmade jewelry and things like that, and I still do sell that. Um, but I've kind of moved a lot into badges and during lockdown. I got big into badges. So I've been designing loads of badges, and I have like my lounge room is like a badge factory. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I kind of just make different things. And it's it's fun being able to kind of be on Twitter and see something fun that's happening and then turn it into a badge. Like, you know, when we had that whole seafood socialist thing with um, Ono Breen, you know, and then we created an Ono Breen, let them eat hake uh, badge. And people were just mad for that, you know, and it's just a little, you know, a short print run that you do and uh, lasts for a couple of weeks and then that's gone and then you're on to the next thing. So I, I like that. It's really, it's fun, you know. And uh, so that's another little sideline project that I have. So I call them side hustles, you know. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's the only way to survive today is to have a couple of side hustles, you know. No one has an actual... Yeah, no one, no one has an actual job. We just have side hustles, but then it allows. Right. But I think it's important. It's important to point out that it allows you as a person to to talk about what you need to talk about and to express your opinions, you know. But it, it probably does mean that you, you know, you're you're on your own with regards to you know creating your own income, and uh, you know it's very hard to rely on 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 on, on an employer uh, or you know run of the mill job really on top of that, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm quite lucky. Like at the moment, I kind of have three things. I have my shop and I have queer media, which we've really just, we haven't even properly launched it really. We've only been going for about less than two months. And um, so we haven't even done a proper launch on it yet. We've just been finding our feet with everything. 
and um, and then I also do a bit of freelancing um, social media work for Gender GP, which is a job that I do because I'm passionate about uh, supporting trans people. And um, like it's it's not a job that you would you would just do if you weren't passionate about it because it's like you know you could be eleven o'clock on a Friday night and oh there's a newspaper article coming out in the Sunday Times and we've just got the copy for it and you know and you're like oh shit I need to get on this you know it's it's a real you have to you have to have commitment you have to love it you know to be able to do it uh, but it's great they're a really uh, wonderful organisation of people who are really dedicated to trying to make the lives of trans people better so um that's a great it's a great wee little side hustle side hustle <laughs> helped, the... pay, helped, helped kind of launch queer as well so that's good great great uh and uh, people might be might know you as the for, for the famous picture with the with the yes hat i think that's why most people might know you which you created yourself i believe it currently um, in the in the collection of the National Museum of Ireland um, that we had. <laughs> well, which is brilliant. Listen, uh, I know you have to collect your children, uh, so I don't want to keep you any longer. Thanks a million for your time. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you're very. <laughs> we're lucky that you, Australia gave us to you, or you just decided of your own volition to to move here. Nobody gave. Nobody owns you to give. Let me but, stay. Let me stay. Department well, of Immigration. Let me stay. Somebody said to me, you just give them a grand and they'll let you stay. That's it. It's easy. Well, you do have to give them the grand, but only after they tell you that they'll let you stay. Uh, so. Okay. Well, you have to, you do have to give them some money up front just to apply, just to say, please. <laughs> so you have to give them money just to be able to ask. Sounds like a good deal. We want to make sure you're serious. Everybody, everybody lobby them for me and tell them to let me stay. Yeah. Anybody listen to this, get in touch with your, I don't know, your local politician <laughs> and say, we want Taryn Devere to stay. <laughs> to be Irish she's great uh, uh, thanks thank very you. much thanks for taking the time out to talk to me and uh, have enjoy the rest of your day thanks a million Keith bye. Bye, bye, bye bye there you go that's it thank you very much Taryn so everybody get on to your local politician and say we want Taryn to be uh, she probably will I presume she'll get citizenship she's a good person she's given a lot to the country and uh, her uh, her Donegal slash Australian accent is cool Definitely cool. And you just hear the it, the twangs of Donegal coming out every now and then. Or maybe it's Belfast. Uh, but thank you very much, Taryn, for taking the time out to speak to me and uh, for being so honest and so frank. And best of luck to you and to your family. And uh, yeah, uh, check out Queer, Q-U-A-R-E. Um, that is the online publication and it's by subscription only. So uh, go and subscribe and... Uh, Oh, Charlie, Jesus, I thought there was some, someone would come in the door. The door opened, I couldn't see anybody. Freaked out, Charlie's at my feet. Hi, Charlie. Charlie, do you want to say hello on the podcast? No. Um, He doesn't talk. That's weird. He never says anything. He hasn't spoken. I don't know whether to bring him to the doctor. Like, what age do they start talking? You know? Like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to make him feel bad. But, you know, anyway, uh, that was great. It was a great discussion and um, I will be endeavouring to find out more and stay up to date. And and as I said, it's not really. You probably, if you unless you're trans, you probably don't need to be telling trans people what they need to be doing. That's just my opinion. And it's just my opinion. 
and it's just my podcast and that's all. Um, so anyway, thanks for listening. Have a good evening. Uh, I hope you're getting the Christmas shopping done. I hope you are on top of all everything. And if you're not, don't stress about it. It's grand. Like Christmas will come and go like it always does. And we'll still be here. And we'll still be stressed about something else. So uh, look at mind yourself. Uh, the email address as always is uh, keithwalsh.walsh at gmail.com. If there's anything you think I should be uh, discussing or anyone I should be interviewing or uh, a guest you'd like to hear me talk to, I'd love to hear your suggestions. Uh, or if you've got a story to tell, I'd love to hear from you. Um, this is a safe space uh, where you can just tell your story. Uh, keithwalsh.walsh at gmail.com or keithwalshpod at gmail.com. Right, that's it. I'm going to go get this edited and get it up and get to enjoying the rest of my evening. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. See, that's it. Just did it. No messages. Said goodbye. It's done. <laughs>